Welcome to our first ever Disney Movie Insiders Presents. I'm Lisa, your host, and we're so excited to take you closer to the movies you love. For our first episode, we wanted to celebrate a fan and Disney Movie Insiders favorite, something we quote in our everyday and that makes us want to groove. Today, Disney Movie Insiders Presents The Emperor's New Groove. Boom, baby! The Emperor's New Groove was released on December 15th, 2000, and stars David Spade, John Goodman, Eartha Kitt, and Patrick Warburton. Can you believe it's been 20 years? The Emperor's New Groove was the 40th feature film to come from Walt Disney Animation Studios, and here is a fun insider's fact for you. Did you know the character that warned Pacha Beware the Groove hey. was the original voice of Piglet, John Fiedler? We're gonna have even more insider fun for you throughout the show. Now let's welcome our guests, director Mark Dindle, and story artist Don Hall and Stevie Wormer-Skelton. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so we are so honored to have you here celebrating the 20th anniversary of The Emperor's New Groove. And you know what? This already feels like such a fun reunion. And with any good reunion, it's fun to reminisce about how it all began. So... What was your involvement in the film, and how did you become a part of it? Well, I'm I'm Mark Dindle. I was the director on Emperor's New Groove, and uh, I came on ver very early when the film was called Kingdom of the Sun. And I came on as a co-director and was working with Roger Allers on that film. And uh, then this movie took a, a turn from more of a drama into a comedy. And so I started to oversee that development process and then got... Uh, named the director to uh, continue on with the comic version of this movie, and it, it became The Emperor's New Groove. We, I think we had about 18 months or two years from when I came on to finish the movie, so we quickly rounded up a crew, Don, Stevie, and a whole bunch of other story artists, and just dove in, and you know, when I think back, it seems like we just started working. There wasn't a script. The script evolved as we as we did the movie, and um, and we just took off. Uh, hi, I'm Don Hall. Um, I was a story artist um, on Emperor's New Groove, and uh, like Mark, I was also on Kingdom in the Sun before it became Emperor's New Groove, and so once we kind of switched over, um, I, I made that transition onto Emperor's New Groove. Hi, I'm Stevie Wormer-Skelton. Um, I was a board artist. Yeah, much like Don Hall, I uh, I was working on the previous version of which was called Kingdom of the Sun at the time. It was about a year or so that I was working on that. And then I joined um, Mark's team. And it was Mark and Chris Williams, I think, at the time working on the alternate version of it. So uh, stayed on from there. So Mark, you directed Chicken Little. Stevie, That's the right. prep and landing specials and Olaf's Frozen Adventure, and Don, you won an Oscar for Big Hero 6 and are currently directing the upcoming Rye and the Last Dragon, which I am beyond thrilled to see. Those are just a few of your projects. So when you look back at the Emperor's New Groove, what from that experience do you all take into your work today? Well, for me, it's it's uh, that was such a um, example of of teamwork and these movies are the result of a group of people it's not any one person who is uh you know making it all happen and uh you know when i look back and and uh, with such a fast production schedule and you see how that team came together that's what i really take away is just how wonderful that is when you have a group of people who collaborate and build upon each other's ideas i would agree and and even moving forward from emperor's new groove um, that spirit of collaboration, it's sometimes really hard to, to create. 
Um, but I did, I definitely, that left a big mark on me and how, how Groove was made and try, I've tried to duplicate it on every, every movie, um, I've worked on since in terms of just, you know, having this really collaborative team of storyboard artists that work really, really well and really closely, uh, with a writer. There's no, like with Dave Reynolds, uh, who was our writer on Emperor's New Groove, you know, there was we were all part of the same team. Dave was writing, but, and we were boarding, but we were all kind of working together. And, um, you, we try so hard to, to create that on every show because I think that was sort of a blueprint for a, it was just fun. That's what made it fun. But it was also the blueprint, I think, to the creative, creative success of Emperor's New Groove. And, and because we had that 18 month window, there wasn't a lot of overthinking. I mean, we we really kind of had to you know be as much fun as we had and as many chair races as we had and and as much nonsense as that we uh got a, got a, you know that we had every day every story meeting was you know there was a fair amount of nonsense but it was all part of the creative process and we we were pretty focused i mean i think we were you know we had a lot of fun but we were pretty focused on the story that uh that that mark had in his head and really wanted to get it up on screen Okay, so done. The chair races. We need to know more. This is a show all about insiders. Like we want that information. Please tell (laughs) us more. So so for a visual, do you guys do you want to tell them what you guys actually did? You would be sitting in a chair and then going around the the table, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, well it back you know, we used to have these really long conference tables in the story room and we would all um sit in chairs with wheels and then it was just whoever could get around a lap or two of, of the conference table. But it was basically the Ben-Hur chariot race around a conference room table in chairs with wheels. I really do want to circle back to the story room, though. So, okay, Stevie, we obviously, we talked about Prep and Landy and Olaf's Frozen Adventures as some of your many projects that you've worked on. When you look back at the Emperor's New Groove, what from that experience do you take into your work today? Let, let me just start by saying, uh, you know, in my 26 years of working in, in animation and working at Disney, that The Emperor's New Groove was by far the most fun I've ever had on any production. And that is like hands down over even things that I was directing and co-directing. So um, this experience has stuck with me for the last 20 years. And a big part of that, I and I'm going to put Mark on the spot here right now, and he's going to feel really uncomfortable, <laughs> is, is the leadership, is Mark's leadership. Mark set the tone for the rest of the crew and put his his trust and faith in us. And having that trust and faith is huge uh, when you go off and you, you're you trying to do boards for somebody or figure out a sequence or something. So it was him and Dave that sent the t- set the tone a lot, along with Randy uh, Fulmer, the producer. So um, I always try to go look back on those days and go, what was I love so much about it? And it was that everyone was so inclusive and everyone was so fun and there was a level of trust that you would get the job done. Uh, so I try to take that with me on my future projects and hopefully our crews, you know, benefit from my experience on that show as well. So yay, Mark. Yay team. You know, the takeaway from that that I really heard from all of you was just the collaboration and how you guys really became a family in this. And I think because of that, that's why people love it, quote it, remember it so well today. And so specific to that, the humor is such a fan favorite. So, and it's really important to acknowledge that this was 20 years ago. It was groundbreaking for a Walt Disney animated feature film at the time to showcase this kind of humor. It was unapologetically irreverent, but in the best way. 
So can you kind of talk a little bit more about that, your approach to the humor, how all of this fun behind the scenes really translated to what we see up on screen? I, I always felt that, you know, you can't, you can't just walk in, sit down and get to business. You know, if we had an hour for a story meeting, it seemed like we would, I'll just be honest, I think sometimes we'd spend 45 minutes goofing around. <laughs> and, but I, I, I equate that with loosening up, you know, before you get on the parallel bars and do your routine. Um, it got us in the right frame of mind. For me, when I was when I was little and there was, you know, no no video, what I saw most was the Looney Tunes, especially the Chuck Jones Looney Tunes. That was on more frequently than than um, anything else because I was on television. It was a treat to see a Disney feature in a theater, but that was, you know, once or twice a year. So I was very influenced just by the sense of humor of those cartoons. I felt like we were blending that and and the quirky fun that Disney did with a lot of what Ward Kimball uh, directed back in the 60s. There's a real fun sense of humor and, and uh, in those. And, and in some of the Disney shorts, uh, the goofy how-to series was very silly. So I think all of those kind of blended together for me, in my head at least, as we were, as we were working on the movie. Yeah, and and uh, I, I like Mark. I grew up on those too. That was you know, in addition to you know the Disney films which you saw in a theater, uh, it was really fun to have license to indulge that side of your influences. Which Emperor's New Groove was that from like the jump. It was like we're going to go for it. We're not, you know, it 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 definitely had heart. You know, the um, the the film couldn't work without it, but. But we, it felt like we really had free reign to, to really indulge those early animated influences that we all had. And, and I think that's part of what made it so fun for and, us, too. And I'd like to add about, I think that's why, another reason why we, you know, wanted to make it, too, is because it's not just for kids, too. It's, it's funny for adults. And so we had fun. <laughs> it's the only movie I've ever worked on where so many of those, what you would call sort of uh, silly uh, sidebar jokes, actually made it into the movie. Um, there's one example I'll, I remember when uh, it's at the end of the movie, they race back to the castle and Kronk and Yzma get there before Pacha and uh, Cusco. And I think we spent a, a while trying to trying to explain how they could have gotten back there sooner. And I think it was you, Don, that said, uh, what if they just don't know? <laughs> they don't they they don't know how it worked either and, and we said okay let's just use that and that's what's in the movie well you got me by all accounts it doesn't make sense and isma goes oh well and then you move on because i you know the 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 fact of the matter is i don't think the audience cares that they got back there sooner it's just that they're back there and let's get on with the story i was gonna say so much about that to what you're describing mark is like the format like you were introduced to the character as a llama at the very beginning of the movie. So it's like non-linear in that sense. And then also there are the moments where we have voiceover from Cusco. He's breaking the fourth wall. Were there ever any moments where you're like, okay, we got to pull back? Like, cause you have these, those are such memorable fan favorite moments. Yeah, I think, I don't know if you guys remember, there was one, there was one moment uh, <clears throat> where Chris Williams boarded something uh, I think it was it was early in the movie uh, around the the dinner party, and in the movie we pull back and you see oh I think it's uh, I think it might be when Kronk dumps Cusco into the the water and you pull back and there's a monkey with a bug, and 
if I'm remembering it right, I think that continued. I think he continued to pull back, and I think he even suggested we cut to the space shuttle launching <laughs> for just a complete non sequitur. Um, you know, and yeah. uh, we all thought it was funny. I don't know if we pitched it to someone and they just, we, we just could tell we lost them at that point, you know, that it had gone one step too far. So fun. You guys clearly had so much fun behind the scenes and I love hearing all about it. I'm curious about though, the talent on screen, not animated, but their voices. What can you tell us about the talented cast that you guys worked with on this film? Well, it, it's, you know, it, we've often said that this is a movie where the people who did the voices could do the stage play. Each one really embodied the characters that they played. So um, I was I was most concerned about uh, Eartha because she was a part of the original and it was it was uh, much more of a drama and a completely different role, not not this this uh, eccentric comic diva that that uh, you know as extreme as we pushed it. So I wasn't sure that she was gonna be into it and want to do it. We had a board. It's when they go down to the secret lab. Pull the lever, crunk. Wrong lever. And um, she came in, and it was it was pinned up on the wall. And I was gonna pitch it through to her just to give her an idea of what this new character would be like. So I was I was nervous. I started pitching it. I got maybe three or four panels in. I was pitching her dialogue, but four panels in, she took over and just just you know hit the ground running just with just full force you know like she didn't even have to ramp up into it <laughs> and, and she just launched into it and, and then i continued to pitch through but i just pointed to the drawings with the pitch stick and she read everything through so that that calmed any of of my fears or worries that that she would think this was too silly she just embraced it ah how shall i do it oh i know I'll turn him into a flea, a harmless little flea. And then I'll put that flea in a box, and then I'll put that box inside of another box, and then I'll mail that box to myself. And when it arrives, ah, <laughs> I'll smash it with a hammer. So all of the actors seem to really understand it and get it and have fun. Uh, we encouraged uh, improvisation if they had any other ways, you know, any of their ideas and ways of saying it. And Dave Reynolds, the writer, uh, was there and is really good at listening to an actor come up with a line and then tweak it maybe more to their voice or just throw out another uh, alternative. Don and Stevie, did you did you come to any of those sessions? I met Adam West. That was about no. it. Oh, you met Adam West? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he Adam, Adam West Evie. was a oh. was a character <laughs> that got cut, but uh, oh, we were all That's the biggest regret. <laughs> yeah. I think that's our yeah. biggest regret Mochi. is that we couldn't fit <laughs> Adam Adam West in the in the film. He had a really pretty what was great. His name Mochi? Just, was, wasn't that? Yeah, his name was Mochi and yep. he was a crazy yeah. person in the, oh, he, in he the village. <laughs> when I introduced myself, I said, Hi, I'm Stevie, and I held up my hand. He goes, Oh, hello, Evie. Nice to meet you. And I <laughs> did not correct him. Speaking of voices though, Cusco's voice stays the same when he switches from an emperor to a llama. I don't know about you. But I'm getting all funned out. Can you talk about the choice to have Isma's voice change when she turned into a cat? Kitty Isma. Is that my voice? Is that my voice? Is that my voice? Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I think we were just playing with um, pitching it, and um, it just sounded funny. And because uh, I think we might have played it with her 
regular voice, but because it um, it's set up as if she's going to turn into something, you know, monstrous, uh, the smaller voice that's pitched up seemed to just play the joke um, much better. She just locked into that, that very theatrical. So when we recorded that, she just recorded it in, in her, her wonderful, um, you know, eccentric self. And I think in editorial, we just started playing with pitching it down and, and found that to, that made us laugh. I love it so much. Like they just made it their own. You said you liked improv a lot, like throughout the recording sessions. Was there anything improv that made it into the final cut? Oh, there's so much. David Spade improvs a lot. And it might just be little side comments. Patrick Warburton, he will improv a little bit, but but the rhythms that he comes up with, it was interesting watching him work because he will start a line, then he'll back up, then he'll start again, then he'll, then he'll go again, then he goes again. And then, and then he's just looking for this rhythm, and once he hits it, the whole line goes through. Just one more for exotic bird bingo. I am loving this. John Goodman is very thoughtful. You know, I'd tell him, give him some direction, and he would think for a minute, and then he'd say, okay. And then he would he would get into it. What? Wait, wait! How can you be this way? All you care about is building your summer home and filling it with stuff for you. Uh, yeah, doy. I just think each one has their own way of processing. It seems like Earth Eye would tell her something and she'd say, wonderful! And then she would just <laughs> kind of launch into it. <laughs> well, we always, uh, so much of Eartha Kit, she would act out the lines, very demonstrative, wave her arms, do all this wonderful, wonderful gestures. And Dale Bear, who was the lead animator on Yzma, really used that reference quite a bit. Patrick Ward Burton, you can see him reflected in that character. That's how the actor's personality, not only their voice, but their, their presence makes into the animation as well. I love it. You talked earlier so much about how animation is a collaborative process. So I'm curious though about kind of circling back to the fun for everyone in the story room. Was there like a favorite day or a favorite memory that you guys can tell us about? For mine, it was, I was sitting in my cubicle and I was, you know, drawing and doing work and I get a phone call on my desk from Mark and then maybe Ranger was in there and maybe uh, Dave Reynolds and you said, hey, Stevie, we need you in the story room right now. And I was like, oh, oh no, what have I done? You know, that's your first instinct. <laughs> oh no, they're calling me into the principal's office. So I put, put, put the phone down, I walk in and I pull these, the big, they're like big barn doors that you had to pull to get into uh, the storeroom. So you guys remember those? They're really yeah. heavy. <sighs> and I pull the door open and I come in and I see uh, like four or five people, Mark and probably Randy and Dave Reynolds and probably one other person was in there and they're all facing the wall away from me. <laughs> and I, I come in, I'm like, yeah, I'm here. And then simultaneously, all four of them turn around <laughs> and look at me and they just have these like little lip-shaped kazoos in their mouths. Oh. <laughs> they just go, whee! With the <laughs> and I oh, go, that's right. Um, yeah. Um, what? And they go, oh, that's it. We didn't want to do that. So, it oh, was important. Okay. So then I left. Did we <laughs> even give you the, one? The, no, you probably did. I, I, I okay. just. <laughs> I hope so. I remember um, th th there was a, a version of the story. It, there, it wasn't a road movie. It actually mm -hmm. took place in a village. So basically act two and three took place in a village, in Pacha's village. And that's where, you know, Adam West had a character named Mochi that was part of that village. And there was also, I remember, um, there was a quirk with this village in that they every morning would uh, wake up oh. and sing a song called the Sun's Up song. Uh -huh. And um, 
<laughs> I remember, I think when I heard that recording, because I think I was boarding it. I was yeah, you did. It, and when I heard that recording for the first time, it was it was hilarious. Because I think Dave wrote it, didn't he? Didn't Dave Reynolds I write it? I think he did. I think he did. And yeah. it was the, it was, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It was almost like a, like, like a Brady Bunch or Partridge family song. <laughs> but all the, and so Cusco, the story point was this Cusco went to bed in this village because he was exhausted. And then it, the, you know, the crack of dawn, he's woken up by this entire village uh, kind of like, you know, the, the who's in Whoville or whatever, just singing at the top of their lungs about the sun coming up. Um, that's another, I, I, that's another regret that that didn't make it in the movie because it was pretty yeah. funny. Well, I, I want to briefly switch gears to go from a movie about a llama to a dragon. So Don, oh. we mentioned... We mentioned Ryan the Last Dragon is the next film you're directing. Yep. Again, I cannot wait to see it because on March 5th, that's when it's headed to theaters and it's going to be streaming on Disney Plus with premiere access. What can you tell us about the new film? Uh, well, we're really excited. Really, really excited. We're we're just finishing it up right now. Some of the last little, you know, sound mix and final color and all all the little, the little tweaks you do at the end, we're doing that right now. Um, it's a big, epic... Uh, adventure story influenced by the many different cultures of Southeast Asia. So it's a, but it's a completely, even though it's influenced by the many cultures of Southeast Asia, it's a, it's a completely original fantasy world. And uh, the protagonist, uh, our heroine, uh, Raya is a really, really cool character, but she's also very funny. And, and a lot of the humor and, and the heart of the film um, comes between the relationship between our character Raya played by Kelly Marie Tran and uh, Sisu, the dragon, played by Aquafina, uh, And so that was a joy to be able to work with both of those uh, actresses because they brought so much to the roles. And, and like Mark was saying, I, in terms of actors, you, you love working with people who are, have great improvisational skills because you, you know, we, we write and we storyboard and we write and we storyboard and we get the scenes working you know, as best we can, but then you get down in the recording session and to... to to have to just to be open to what other people can kind of bring to it. You want to bring that to the recording session. And both Kelly and uh, Aquafina are amazing improvers and they brought so much to those roles. Um, so I'm really, really excited for the world to see it. Uh, it's a big, big epic adventure movie, but it's also got a lot of humor and uh, the ending is very emotional. I'll just say that. A cliffhanger for us there, Don. I love it. <laughs> we're all super excited for it. And of course, we're here today to talk about Ember's New Groove. And so I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for speaking to us today. So as our first guest, you are the first to play the Insider Five. What is your earliest memory of being a Disney movie fan? Mine is Sword in the Stone. At three years old, I saw it in a theater. Bambi, and yeah, I was probably five. Uh, I'd probably have to say Robin Hood, probably about five or six. Oh, I love it. Okay, what inspired you to want to work in film and animation? Sword in the Stone, I remember going, I want to do that when I grow up. <laughs> and I'd made my mind up by the time I was six, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely the same boat. Bambi, and then, you know, Peter Pan, and, and Pinocchio, and, and Dumbo, I'd put in there as well. And all those childhood influences, it, yeah, I, I knew from a very early age, this is, this is what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't really know that's what I wanted to do, but I knew I liked watching cartoons and stuff. And I, we had that big coffee table book with the art of Walt Disney oh, or whatever, my parents Finch, yeah. said. Christopher Finch, yeah. 
Um, so I had that and I remember looking at it over and over, but it wasn't until I actually saw uh, Beauty and the Beast is when I went, hey, this could be a career path for me. So that was the movie that kind of kickstarted me and got me into animation. Oh, I love Beauty and the Beast too. Okay, what advice would you have for someone who wants to become a filmmaker one day? Watch Sword in the Stone. That's gonna be my answer for everything. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Dindle owning the Insider Five. <laughs> watch films, watch everything you can, watch really good stuff, watch really bad stuff, watch it all. Um, and I think specifically for our medium, uh, draw. Drawing every day, I think, um, is really important. I know that we make CG, you know, CGs, we do a lot of CG movies now, but I think drawing is still um, the the cornerstone of, of working in animation. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'll, I'll jump off of that too, that drawing, it helps you, like Don was saying, even though you're doing CG, you still have to pose these characters in what we call like silhouette value and all that kind of stuff that you learn when you're learning how to draw, you take with you and put into the animation of the CG characters. Okay, if you could only ride one ride all day at Disney parks, which would it be? <laughs> Big Thunder. Big Thunder I have. That's a great one. I did ride that um, repeatedly because for some reason there was no line. Oh, I know we were there really late. So my brother and I stayed on it. I don't know how many times. <laughs> Uh, for me, I guess Peter Pan. Um, I, uh, I mean, I never went to Disneyland as a kid, so I, I, it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I went to Disneyland. But um, I don't know, there's something about that ride. It remind, I mean, I love the movie, and that ride kind of transports you um, into the movie and the idea of flying. Um, it's always stuck with me. And so when you know, we had kids that we always, no matter what, we always had to hit the Peter Pan ride. Uh, I would say Space Mountain. Yeah, but I do I do miss the people mover though. Even though it was slow and plodding, I, I, oh. I do miss that nice. ride. You guys, I love it. All the rides. Okay, last one of the Insider Five. Which <laughs> Disney character has the best life advice and what is it? Well, I you know, I, I do remember really liking Cinderella's attitude that she would, you know, when you think about the situation she was in and she always stayed positive. I do remember when I was young, just really identifying with that, with that positive attitude. I think I'm gonna go with Baloo, Jungle Book. He had a pretty chill vibe. He just nothing bothered yeah. him. Uh, you know, he seemed to be happy-go-lucky. I wish I was more like that. Um, I think I'm more like Bagheera, but uh, yeah, I dig, I dig Baloo's vibe. Um, I'm gonna have to go with it's not necessarily animated. It's a Disney character, uh, Mary Poppins, and particularly the song Feed the Birds. Up on a mm. bag, but just because the the idea of, what, of what's behind that. Pretty, pretty awesome, you guys. Thank you guys so much for playing the Insider Five and for joining us on the Disney Movie Insider Presents podcast today. We loved celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Emperor's New Groove with you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us. For more information, visit us at DisneyMovieInsiders.com/presents. And catch The Emperor's New Groove within the Walt Disney Animation Studios collection on Disney+. You can also keep an eye on our Instagram account, Disney Movie Insiders, for opportunities to submit your questions for future episodes. And insiders, here's a gift even Kronk would love. Enter bonus code SQUIRREL on DisneyMovieInsiders.com or our app. The code expires February 28, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Time. Membership is required. Limit one redemption per account. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com for terms and conditions. Oh yeah.